Message 6, start of chapter 3. The author says to us, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. This word, therefore, builds upon what he said in the first two chapters, where he said, God has spoken in these last days through his son, the son who has a greater name and greater position than the angels. And he reminds them, speaking to Jewish Christians who have been persecuted, scattered across the Roman Empire, that they are the brethren, the holy brethren, set apart by God. Chapter 2, verse 11, he reminds them, it is Jesus who sanctified his people and it is his people who are made holy. And so there's unity between the one who sanctifies and those sanctified. So the writer in this change in chapters is addressing this holy group of people, these brethren, these elect people who have trusted Christ. They are holy, set apart by God by God's grace, made to be partakers of God's calling. The scriptures say that God is called, God is elected, God is predestined, God is justified. So the writer who is probably Paul is addressing this group of people who are suffering persecution. So it's very simple today. We just have two points. The first point he tells his brethren one, you must consider. Jesus Christ. And two, I'm going to bring to remembrance the faithful servant of God who was Moses. So, the first four verses tell us he reminds the brethren 
know you're persecuted. I know you're scattered. I know life is hard. But can get, continue to consider Jesus Christ. You trusted him once. Now continue to keep considering and trusting Christ. So, what does he call Jesus? He says, Consider Christ the apostle of God. And he also says, Consider Christ the high priest. So think about these two terms as they relate to Jesus. One, Christ is called an apostle of God. Now, we know Jesus chose 12 apostles, set them apart as special disciples. He chose them and sent them out as messengers to preach the good news. So the word apostle basically means the sent one of God. So the writer is recognizing that Jesus, the son who was given, the child that was born, is rightly an apostle sent from heaven to earth, sent from on earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to resurrection. What has God done? He has given His Son as His messenger. So He's rightly called the Apostle of God. But the writer also says it's not just the sent one. He had a duty to fulfill. He's the high priest of God. Again, the word Christ means the anointed, the anointed one, anointed by the Spirit as prophet, as priest, as king. All three offices in one person. But the book of Hebrews tells us about the priesthood of Christ. What do we read in John 1? John the Baptist is asked, 
Are you Elijah? No. Are you the fulfillment of Malachi 4? No. Are you the great prophet Moses spoke about? No. Well, who are you? I'm the voice pointing to the great prophet. I'm the voice that the next day John says, Look, among you stands the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. That's the work of this high priest. Jesus, as priest, conducts the great sacrifice for sin by laying down his life on the cross as a penalty for sin. That's the priesthood of Jesus. But he's not just a priest. He's the sacrifice. The Lamb of God who sacrifices himself. He could have said no to the cross. And we would have stayed damned in our sin. No payment for sin. But Jesus obeyed his Father. So he's a priest of God. Later in Hebrews, we're told he's not a priest like Levi, but an everlasting priest in the order of Melchizedek. So we find the writer telling us, brethren who have trusted Christ, consider Christ your great apostle, your great priest. And what does this priest do? He prepared to sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. And is this priest dead in the grave? No. He's raised. He's ascended. He sits at the right of God. Continuing his priesthood. Continuing the intercede for his people. Continuing to be a mediator between us who are sinners and God the Father, a holy God. So the writer says, consider Jesus 
says that this priest, this apostle, is faithful to God who appointed him. God the Father chose him to do this work. God the Father gave his son to the world to purchase redemption for his people. And Jesus was faithful to his calling. Remember that. Jesus was faithful. He didn't disobey. He didn't say no. And he's faithful today. He's faithful to us in our needs. He'll be faithful to the very end. When it's time for him to come back as a king. He doesn't stop being our priest and our apostle. Moses was faithful, an obedient servant of God to his calling. He says, to his house. That is, to the twelve tribes of Israel. Faithful. He was raised up to be the human deliverer. Moses fulfilled his responsibility. It wasn't easy. The people disobeyed. They were stiff-necked, hard-hearted. They complained. Moses, though, was a faithful servant to God's calling as a deliverer. Without Moses, the people stay as slaves. Without Moses, God doesn't give the law of God. So Moses is important, but Jesus is even more important. So we're reminded to consider this Jesus, the apostle sent by God, the high priest of God who mediates the dispute of sin, purchases salvation, the author and finisher of our faith. He reminds us of the example of Moses. But he tells us that Jesus, with a greater title, 
greater name. While Moses is an example, Moses points to Christ. Moses is but a shadow of the real thing. Christ, the Messiah. Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. He says here that Mo Moses was important, but Christ is counted more glory than Moses because Moses was a sinful man. Moses, after all, killed an Egyptian, perhaps justifiably. Moses disobeyed God by striking the rock and therefore did not enter the promised land. Moses, a good servant, yet a sinner saved by God's grace. But Jesus, not a sinner, but the sin bearer, the deliverer from sin. So there's more glory to the Son of God than the earthly servant. And the writer tells us by way of analogy the builder is always greater than the structure. The builder, in a way, is greater than the house. The architect, the artist, the poet, greater, thank you, greater than the finished product. We look at a great piece of art. But, we're reminded that the artist is the one who created. He says here, the creator is greater than the creation. Jesus is greater than Moses as great and faithful as Moses because Jesus as the Son of God is the co-creator of everything. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him and through Him and for you. So, 
the sun is greater than the human prophet. Think about this for a second. We're told to consider Jesus. In your day, day living, how much do you consider Jesus? How often we're self-reliant. We don't pray. We don't go to our mediator. We don't ask him for help. We don't want to abide with him to bear fruit. The writer tells us, consider Jesus, our apostle, our high priest, our prophet. Does he say, consider a false prophet? Does he say, consider Buddha? Or Confucius? Or Muhammad? Or Joseph Smith? Or Charles Russell? Does he say, even consider Moses? No. Moses was a shadow of the type of Christ. Consider the greater one. Consider Christ. Does he say, consider Mary? Consider some saint in the church? No, those are the errors. Often, people in history have looked to religious leaders and not the Christ. So, I'm reminded when he says, consider Jesus, to look to Jesus and not the world, not to ourself and our flesh and our strength. Lean not on our understanding but look to Christ, this great mediator of the covenant, the author, finisher of our salvation. Why? Because he's sufficient and able and willing. Moses was great. John told us John chapter 1. What did Moses do? He gave the law. But what did Jesus do? Grace and truth are given through Jesus. Do you need help? Do you need grace? You go to Jesus, the dispenser of grace. So brothers and sisters, keep on considering Jesus.
Our temptation is to trust ourselves, to trust the ways of the world, to trust other people, even great people like Moses. This has happened in the church. What did Paul say? Some of you are considering Peter. Some of you are considering Apollos. Some of you want to follow me, Paul. What are we? Nothing. It's God through Christ. So, we're told here, focus on Christ. Consider Christ. So in your doubt, in your need, look to Christ. Now the second point, verses 5 and 6, the writer tells us, Moses indeed was faithful. He was a faithful servant. One day, he's out on the plains of Midian in the desert, in the shadow of Horeb, the mountain of God. He's some 80 years old. What does he see? A burning bush and a revelation of God. What's going on? Why is the bush burning? I must see. And God says, You're on holy ground. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I am who I am. And I'm sending you to deliver my people out of slavery. Moses, obedient, faithful to God's calling. It wasn't easy. The people didn't listen. They were stubborn, rebellious. They complained. And Pharaoh was hardened and said no to all this, despite Ten plagues. Think about Moses. Forty years leading this people. He comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. What did he find? The day of rebellion. Gross sin, idolatry, immorality. And he has to execute judgment on 23,000 people. They rebel. They complain. They want to get rid of Moses. 
his weakness as a man. And he's recognized here that Moses was a faithful servant to his house, to his calling. Now, brothers and sisters, Moses is a great example of trusting God. Moses also was a predictive prophet. And he said, God will raise up a prophet, a greater prophet, than I have been. Moses writes for us the first five books. So he has a prophetic ministry. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses, we are told, was a man of faith. <clears throat> Moses has this encounter with God in the burning bush. But he also encounters God. Many times in the wilderness, God speaks to Moses. Moses prays and intercedes before God. God reveals something of his glory to Moses. But yet, Christ is greater than Moses. Now, Hebrews 11 said that Moses not only did what God told him, but Moses did so because he not only saw and heard from God, but he got a glimpse of the glory of Christ and Christ's kingdom and a greater city, so to speak. That Moses was not just looking to get Israel out of Egypt and into Canaan. Moses was seen a glimpse of God's greater purpose in the great prophet who would come. That is, this Jesus Christ. Did Moses understand all of it? No. But he got a glimpse of Christ. So he was able to be faithful knowing God has a greater purpose. So again, we're reminded, consider Jesus.
don't consider Moses. He's an example. But Christ is the greater example. And what does he finally say? In verse 6, Christ as the Son is over his house. What is Christ's house? But his church. All his elect. All who believe in him. This is his church. His kingdom. This is who Christ has died. This so to speak is his house. We're reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are temples the Holy Spirit in a way we're Christ building we're what Christ died for he didn't die for angels he didn't cry die for animals he cried, died for God's people. That's who we are. So what does he say? We are his house. Oh, fast. If we have confidence in Christ, keep considering Christ, our faithful and true high priest, and rejoice in the hope to the end. So he told us, he started by saying, consider Christ. He ends by saying, hold fast to Christ. Abide with Christ. Don't start with Christ and go somewhere else. Keep on holding to Christ. Keep on abiding. Where has Christ put you? He's put you in the vine as a branch. Stay there. And you'll bear fruit to the end. And brothers and sisters, do so with joy. Because Mark tells us all the time, it's good to be saved, isn't it? Jesus has done all we need. Taking care of our great sin problem as a faithful high priest. So, Moses, an important example of faith, but Christ, the Son of God, 
the apostle and high priest of our calling. Consider him. Hold fast to him. Action points. Please read Hebrews 3 and 4 for the coming weeks. We're reminded to have confidence in Christ. Is Christ your confidence? Trust Him. Obey Him. Serve Him. Just as Moses did. Moses had a lesser revelation. He saw a lot. But we had the completed word. And the finished work. So, consider Christ and stay with Christ. Now, so I just say, are you doing that? Keep on considering Christ. And the third point is, many people like the Old Testament. They like what Moses did. They believe the Old Testament is true. But they stop there. They stop with Moses. And they don't consider the New Testament and the Gospels and the work of Christ. We know people like that. They may be Jewish. They may be that cult of Hebrew Israelites. They like the Old Testament, but they don't consider Jesus. We as Christians must people point people warn people of the necessity to look to Christ the only Savior they must go beyond the Old Testament revelation to the completed revelation of the New Testament of Christ his finished work as high priest, as savior, and as mediator. So our job is to preach Jesus, bear witness. We must warn people. So a good question, what do you do with Jesus, the great high priest? The Son of God, give it. John 3.16 reminds us, God gave to the world His Son, but to reject the Son is to perish. To believe on the Son and His work is to have everlasting life.
hates Jesus. But we must tell him. You must consider Jesus. Or you'll be lost. And we must remind other Christians. Are you discouraged? Are you losing hope? As these Jewish Christians that he addresses in the book don't lose hope. Look to Christ. That's what this book keeps telling this persecuted group of people. Keep on holding fast to Jesus. Father, thank you that Jesus is our apostle, our high priest, our mediator, our great savior that we can look to. Give us grace to look to your son and not to any human or any function of society or to the world or to our flesh. Thank you for Jesus, our priest, our mediator. Thank you. We can approach Jesus and find grace to help us in our needs. Amen.